Welcome to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast by Toa Global. This is your go-to podcast if you're the owner of an accounting or bookkeeping firm who is looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team. Here, you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity, and deliver more to your clients than ever before. The go-to podcast for accountants and bookkeepers. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go! I'm Saeed from Chartered Advisors, and you're listening to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Alrighty, Saeed, tell us about your business story and its history. Great, thanks. Um, so, so we started Chartered in 2011. Um, we just took over our, our uh, 10, 10 year anniversary, going into our 11th year. Um, our vision is to be the most people centric advisory firm in Australia. And, and we thought that's a pretty bold claim, but but I think tells people a little bit about what um, what we stand for um, and what's important to us. Uh, we started the firm about um, after about a decade in the big four and mid tier firms, servicing household name Australian privately owned businesses and families. Um, you know, in the large firms early on in my career, I really taught taught that kind of whole of world philosophy for clients. So it's not just about being a, a good accountant or a good tax advisor, but rather placing yourself in a, in a position of, of trust and, and rapport with clients. So, you know, you're basically contacted for, for anything that may come up in their, in their financial universe. And, and, you know, I think that's pretty standard play these days for, for any good advisor, but I think that was pretty novel kind of when I was in, in my junior year. So it really kind of uh, bred into me the, the importance of that from a really early time. Um, so my co-founder, Samir Kassam and I are friends of, of over 30 years. Um, we played soccer together as kids and, you know, we very famously set up the company on, on a handshake and without a shareholders agreement and just really, uh, and, and, uh, just really the, the trust that we would always do right by each other. And, and, you know, after, after 10 or 11 years, I can still say that that's very much, very much the case. And so much has changed in our lives since, since starting, um, and 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 we you know have have very much followed the same kind of life plan together in the sense that you know we we went to the same university we worked at you know picture partners together worked at WC together, um, and and we started the firm with the humblest of beginnings you know so no staff no clients, uh, no money, uh, just a couple of laptops, and we talk about our startup DNA a lot at the firm so you know we're not a startup you know by any means anymore but. But these days, I think it really just means a, a no-nonsense, uh, no-bureaucracy attitude to getting it done for our clients. And we bought uh, a lot of that kind of big four ethos to Chartnet today, which is providing the expertise and knowledge of the larger firms. But I think the point of difference is we provide the client services experience and, and, and personal relationships of a, of a, of a boutique firm. Um, we do a lot of work with our team in the areas of client care and everyone's personal responsibility for the satisfaction of their clients, which has been a great success, a roaring success, and we've had that in place since 2018. Uh, client care, or, or CC, as it's known internally, is one of the big things we aspire to in the practice, which is accompanied by our client care charter, which we built you know, internally by ourselves. It's a very practical document which we update annually, and you know, we all keep on our walls and work on closely together. Um, and we have a really, really big focus on advice and advisory. So, you know, the, uh, as I was saying to you before, before the before we clicked record, you know, the the role of the accountant and and, and the landscape of of 
of where we work, you know, mainly in, I would say in the technology space has, has evolved greatly in the, in the last 10 years. You know, we've evolved from being, being seen basically as bean counters, tax return preparers, uh, to being a true business advisors and, and a value-added partner to our clients' businesses. And, and really, I mean, the expectation or from our clients so at least is that, you know, where we are, are really seen to or expected to immerse ourselves in our clients' businesses and really understand the dynamics of what's happening so that we can advise them effectively. Um, and, you know, very proud how we have adapted the firm over the years um, and our service lines proactively during this period to accommodate that, that evolution in, in, in the accountant's role. Um, you know, when we started out, we were seen as we, we just wanted to be a proactive chartered accounting firm in 2011. That was just really what we are. We wanted to be seen. But these days we're so much more than that. And then I think a real true, you know, full service business advisory firm. Uh, fast forward to today, we have a team of 35 in Sydney and, and 10 offshore staff. Uh, we have three separate and distinct teams. So we have, a, we have a tax and advisory team, which provide, I guess, the core accounting, financial reporting and tax compliance services that, that you would know and love. Um, but with a real focus on advisory. So, you know, and then when I say advisory, I mean tax advisory in that team, you know, things like small business CGT, employee share schemes, restructures, and, and a lot of the innovation type um, um, advice around, for example, and the early stage innovation companies and stuff like that uh, undertaken in that team. Our second team is um, is finance function services, which is a fully outsourced, scalable finance function solution for, for SMEs. Um, I can talk about finance function all day, really, but but really um, feel that finance function is the future of our space in many ways. And with the advent of cloud technologies and other tools these days are, are just really excellent and, and, and helpful from a, from a value-add standpoint and efficiency standpoint. So I can really see that in the next three to four years, you know, there, there won't be in many SMEs with internal payroll people, internal bookkeepers, internal management accountants. Um, our finance function service is, is really being de developed to be completely end-to-end, -end, starting from, you know, the really basic processing work like bookkeeping, payroll, data entry, right through to CFO advisory, transaction support, et cetera. You know, hence, hence the name. We do want it to be end-to-end, to -end. so not necessarily be a bookkeeping service or a payroll service, but really be something that can replace the client's finance function either in totality or on a, on a modular basis. Um, last but not least is our third division, which is a government incentives practice, uh, where we predominantly focus on the R&D tax incentive. Um, we have around 350 clients in this, in this team um, and a specialised team with backgrounds in science, technology, engineering and mathematics. This is our main, I guess, point of difference to other R&D to other consultancies where um, we have subject matter expert consultants to pair up with clients in certain industries, you know, for example, software or, or food technology um, as opposed to accountant, accountant, accountants and lawyers which um, which I think really just allows us to speak the same language as our clients and hopefully at the end of it distill the maximum R&D claim for them. Um, so as you can see from the three service lines that we have tax and tax advisory finance function and the R&D tax incentive we're really tuning the firm towards the emerging growth business space and innovative businesses um, who want and need advice. So, you know, most of our clients are on the way up, they're on the younger side, reinvesting their profits into their businesses, taking calculated risks and, and so on. Um, 
where, where exciting it's, journey so far. It's, yeah, it yeah. seems like a really exciting journey. And I mean, you've grown obviously consistently over a long period of time. Um, Correct. And got some real unique offerings in that way as well. Absolutely. And I think, and I think the, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, we, between those three, it's just been something where I really just thought this emerging business or growth business space that we really think that we shine in, um, how do we cater to that space? So it's kind of been an outside in kind of approach with structuring things, um, which, we, which we've always kind of done. And I think in the context of any future services, if we said, okay, well, let's add a fourth division, it would really be in the context of, okay, well, how are our, you know, we're not really in the startup space, but I would say early stage companies, how, how are they going to use or benefit from this new service or from our services at large? And I think that's really always been the thinking and something which I think that um, there's a lot of people trying to get into the space, but it's, but it's something where you really need to understand the plight of early stage companies to service them in an effective manner. That's yeah, exciting. So tell yeah. me about the story of setting up your offshore team. What were the motivations behind doing this versus obviously the many priorities, um, other priorities that you would have had? Yeah, so so I'd say, you know, we've definitely taken the slowly, slowly approach with offshoring. I must say, you know, we had the usual reservations around, you know, quality and, and client perception and stuff. So um, we started with offshoring our internal bookkeeping apparel first, um, like as a charter internal bookkeeping apparel. Then we moved on to, I'd probably, I guess I could call it job-based offshoring, such as individual tax returns and SMSF. So, you know, <laughs> not really adventurous. Um in around 2019, 2020, we took on our first full-time offshore team members, um, one in a bookkeeping role based in Sri Lanka and, uh, and a business services role based in India. Um, you know, hard lessons learned for sure. Um, you know, ensuring you, you invest in, in those people, getting the buy-in of the team and then kind of that whole back office versus front office kind of kind of approach. So I think I think the the, the watershed moment for us was, was when we started working on our finance function project at the beginning of this year so finance function is a, is a new team about probably been in play so it launched officially one july but we've been working on it since the beginning of the year um and you know the idea behind finance function you know is you know for, we don't use the word bookkeeping internally as just a as a as a bit of a um you know just for us to kind of display the fact that you know it's it's got that clear delineation from bookkeeping work and that it is truly value add but um the the idea behind finance function was that for the client, it needed to be end-to-end. So, i.e., you know, we can deliver any part of their finance function from the grassroots through to the strategic high-level stuff. So the other part of it was that in terms of establishing the team, it needed to be quickly scalable and, and cost the same or less than the client's current arrangements. So naturally, offshoring became a big part of the discussion. Um, this year, we've probably taken on eight offshore team members through TOA and have another three in the pipeline before the end of the year. Um, seeing how it has benefited the team and the firm, we're now kind of full steam ahead trying to see how we can integrate offshoring into every aspect of our business. So you can see we kind of went from this super, not negative, but conservative and careful approach with it to now kind of seeing how, you know, we're questioning, questioning everything as far as, the, as far as the resourcing of our business is concerned. So, you know, we just took on Ian and Han- Hannah, who are um, two graduates of, of the TOA Accelerator program into our tax and advisory team. And then, you know, the initial signs with them are fantastic, actually. And, um, and we've committed to another two TOA Accelerator graduates uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, so the, motivations, the motivations in our tax and advisory team have been 
somewhat different. Um, and, and I spoke to this. I spoke to this in the AFR recently um, that the talent shortages we're seeing in the accounting industry at the moment are unprecedented. You know, COVID, close close borders, people leaving the industry. Um, over the years, we seem to have had this constant theme of being under resourced in our business services team, and you know, we're now looking to solve this in a big big way through offshoring. Um, our current project is really to see how we can possibly offshore some of our R&D tax incentive work, which, is, which, as mentioned, always has employed professionals from STEM backgrounds or academia. So that's probably something we need to, we need to take offline. But, uh, but yes, yeah, just kind of, like I said, really taking an outside-of-the-box approach with our offshoring can plug into various parts of the business. Yeah, cool. So how did you go about getting set up? So obviously, you took a cautious approach of use. You tried India, you've tried Sri Lanka. Um, how did you find Toa? Um, what was the yep. process, I suppose, and how long did it take you to get up and running once you did decide to do it? Yeah. So I guess when we decided we needed to pursue offshoring in big ways, part of launching finance function, uh, we, we first started talking to, you know, naturally as you do, talking to friends, colleagues, and, and you know, remarkably Toa's name came up numerous times. And, uh, and I'd seen you a number of times on the speaking circuit as well, so so so, so decided to reach out. Um, a big thing in the DD process for us in, in selecting our offshore provider, fitting it was was fitting into our mold versus you know vice versa. Meaning the staff members that we bring on board are able to join our ecosystem. You know that means from a, from a processes point of view, from a tech point of view, even from a social standpoint, right? Rather than us needing to fit into that BPO's mold, which had kind of been. Our experience to date, and 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 fed into a lot of the issues we were having around integrating the offshore team members, and having an efficient and consistent way of working with with the offshore team. We we found this definitely to be the case um, with Toa. We were assured that our offshore team members can truly be part of our team in in every way. You know, integrated into our email and our communications platforms, Outlook, Slack, Zoom, the rest of it. Um, direct contact with them, and and you know, no. Um, Sorry to say, these kind of silly, you know, back office portals where you need to up- upload jobs and download jobs and you know exchange information through a me- information through a, through a medium rather than you know directly with with that person or with the team as you would with any with any staff members. You know, um, another thing I probably should say was ensuring our new team members had adequate onboarding, business practices, software, and basic compliance training. You know, and 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 uh, you know, we were just delighted to to hear that Toa had had this in spades. I mean, I feel like you know, experiences previously was that you know we just kind of get staff member just given to us kind of thing, and and it just didn't have that foundation which we were looking for. So, like I said, we were just delighted that um, you know the Toa placements, you know, they had this onboarding and this training before they started, which was which was not something we'd experienced before. In terms of timing, I think I think our first um, Staff member was about three, three to four weeks it took us in, in, to, to kind of have them on board and have them staff start with us. Um, but I think with good capacity planning and, 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 and so on, which we, which we definitely plan to have in the future, obviously you can then time it in a more effective way to have staff members start uh, as and when you want them to. That was leads me into, I suppose, the next question around, you know, a lot of, a lot of new clients have challenges with what work to give their team members. So how did you work through with... Um, what work you would give the team members like what yep. were the jobs and tasks you got them to start with first now that they're a couple of months in yeah like a lot longer yeah yeah so i think i think if you're weary or anxious about offshoring 
um, like we were, to be honest, then I think slow and steady is a good way to start, to get used to it, iron out the kinks, build the processes internally, and, and which they will be, right, and, and, and expand from there. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we, we definitely started task-based, you know, individual tax returns, SMSFs, and, and, and our internal work, but that's low risk, but it's also low impact, right? And I, and I think in time, if you want to realise the bigger results, then you need to think a little bit bigger. And, um, and you know, for example, in our finance function team, the offshore team handle most responsibilities from, you know, processing accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll, month end. And then as that comfort level has definitely increased for us, now, you know, their first point of contact for a lot of our client engagements. Um, the advisory components are there as far as management reporting is concerned. Like really, and I don't mean it's an exaggerated way, I think the sky's the limit really. And, um, and you know, um, I think taking on team members um, from a TOA standpoint, I would say that taking on some team members who have some experience either being client-facing in their previous roles or have some customer services experience is definitely an advantage. So again, I think if you're adopting the view that your offshore team members are in every way functional, like your onshore team members, I think that's that's a piece of advice that I would give is that we found in a couple of our team members who did have that their, their previous roles, whether they be in the Philippines or, or other roles, that they were client-facing or, or speaking to their external stakeholders. We feel that they are a lot more comfortable in stepping up and liaising with clients directly, whether it be by email or otherwise. So what advice would you give um, to anyone looking at this process about training their new team? What did you do that worked and what did you learn in that process? Yeah, sure. So um, before starting with Toa, you know, we were somewhat disappointed by our offshoring journey to, to that point. Um, but, you know, again, I, I don't think that's a reflection at all on the, on the companies that we were using. I think, I think that was definitely a reflection on us and, and the level of effort that we put into um, investing in those resources and, and getting them up to scratch this extra. So, so I think, but but knowing other colleagues were doing it in a bigger way and successfully, we knew we needed to, to look internally, as I, as I said. So um, firstly, we knew we had a problem of buy-in and, and commitment from the team. You know, the resources we had at that time were not um, seen as particularly reliable. The time zone is not particularly favourable and, and the quality wasn't there. But as I said, you know, seeing what our, our colleagues had achieved with some and sometimes with the same companies we knew we had an internal issue and that internal issue needed to be resolved so um part of the cultural shift was ideologically really just driving through the firm that moving forward our offshore team members are absolutely part of our team in every single way and setting up a, a buddying system in effect where an onshore team member is essentially solely responsible for the onboarding initial buddy support and ongoing management of the onshore offshore team member this this was a step change for us, particularly in our tax and advisory team. And even after a, a short period of time, we, we are seeing the difference where we have these, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, little crack teams where our um, onshore account managers, whether they be heavy intermediate seniors who are our trusted team members here, um, are responsible for one and or possibly two TOA team members offshore and responsible for them across the board. And I think that's just rapport-wise and from a from an accountability and responsibility standpoint, just completely changed the game. Um, in our finance function team, having the benefit of being able to set up a new team or division from the ground up made it easier, you know. So it, in particular, it's shown the importance of, of good tech in your processes, I think has been a huge realisation. And and a, and a number of the tools we're using, such as Guru, Sana and Missive, uh, are, are really, really good tools 
to ensure set processes, client IQ, um, and knowledge are stored in accessible places. So you can have the, I guess, the, the football team approach um, with building out the team and service delivery does not depend on any one individual, either onshore or, or offshore. That's cool. It's exciting how you, how far yeah. you've come in a short amount of time. But. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of it's kind of been a, a bit of a revelation to to be honest. Like, I mean, the benefit of hindsight, right? But we, but I guess our real, only real regret is that we didn't kind of start this journey earlier. Yeah, and we hear that often. So, what are the three tips for managing um, your offshore team? So, if someone's new to this process, they haven't done it before. What would be three tips that you would give someone to managing this new team? Yeah, so a couple of things stand out. Um, I think integration is key, right? And, uh, and I've touched on this a couple of times now, right? And I think um, the back office approach um, is, is, in my view, destined for failure. I think um, the culture in our firm now is that the offshore team in, in every single way are the same as an onshore team member, aside from the fact that they're not here. Um, they, attend to all of our te- they attend all of our team events, firm updates, you know, virtually, of course, um, we even hope to, to fly them out here one day when, when the borders permit. And, 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 um, and, of course, full integration into all of our communication platforms, Outlook, Slack, Zoom, et cetera, for, for events. And I think that's just, in my mind, that's far and away the biggest, the biggest piece of advice I would give because, you know, we kind of failed under the, the non-integration model and, and now we're succeeding. And I think that's really been the key difference that we've adopted as a, as, as a, as a cultural point that this is just our attitude going forward. Um, the second thing I'd probably say is the buddying system, which, I, which I've touched on before as well. And I'd say, you know, having their, the offshore team, having their one kind of go-to person who's responsible for their mentorship and management is much more effective than being uh, a pooled resource and, and, and sets the offshore team up for success, absolutely. Uh, the third thing I'd say is, is maximizing touch points and communication. So, you know, whether it be through workflow meetings, ensuring there's a, there's a brief before every job and, and really seeking their feedback and questions after those briefing meetings. And, and the third would probably scheduled coaching catch-ups with the buddy. You know, just ensuring that, you know, we're seeing each, as much of each other as possible and there's multiple touch points. You know, it just really continues that integrated one firm theme, which, I, which I've touched on and, I, and ensures if there are any issues or difficulties they have, they, they have the forum to, to put their hand up and get the assistance they need. And I think those, those are key ones, particularly that connection. So if yeah. we're looking at one of the questions I often get is how do you measure the success of the offshore team? What KPIs do you use? Yeah. Are you using any ones that are different to what you'd use locally or, or how are you measuring their success? Yeah. So the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, yes and no, I think. So um, So our finance function team don't do timesheets and, and you know, um, every job has, has what we call an effort rating internally. And that's based on various factors around size, complexity and, and frequency of the work. Um, each team member, onshore and offshore, in fact, uh, must maintain a, a certain number of stars. So being, being a dinosaur accountant in many ways, um, moving away from timesheets in that division was pretty hard for me to accept, especially when, when we're so advisory focused. But um, it's working well so far and, and, and our offshore team are, are, are working on that same effort rating basis um, that the onshore team are working on and it's been working quite well so far. Um, so that's, I think, something that, that is novel and something that we I, I haven't really heard of any other firms doing and something we kind of thought up uh, internally that kind of we know that 
every single team member, you know, for example, if they have a really easy client that isn't really demanding and doesn't have any advisory requirements might be, you know, two stars as far as, as, far as effort rating concerned, but a client that's the opposite might have 10 and every person needs to achieve a certain number of stars to be managing a full portfolio. It's kind of how it works. Yeah, it's cool. I haven't heard that one before. It's a different yeah. one, which is cool. So yeah, so we came up with it in, in a in a in a workshop together, and and yeah, like I said, so far it is it is working quite well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value that your offshore team provides, what would it be? <laughs> I think it'd probably be a relief, to be honest. And and relief is a bit of a negative word, but I think you know we've had a bit of a bumpy ride to get to where we are but offshoring now is has a you know really high level of conviction within our business and knowing that it is something where we're able to ramp up our resourcing in line with the business's growth has been a relief um as a lot of accounting firm owners say you know it's not about getting the work in the door that's actually the easy part the problem is the servicing of it and keeping the clients happy and i think it gives me a lot of optimism for the future knowing that uh, we can skill up um, uh, our, our offshore team in advisory work and managing client relationships in the future. So um, it does give us that confidence that we can go out there and continue to grow the business in a big way and not have to worry as much about, about resourcing moving forward. Yeah, cool. So the year ahead, um, when we look at, I suppose, people strategy, does your business have a people strategy mapped? And if so, where do you see sort of the longer term onshore versus offshore um, role breakup? Yeah, so uh, again, something uh, I wish we'd done earlier, but again, benefit of hindsight. Um, we're really starting to entertain an org chart where really what we have onshore are our, you know, in inverted commas, account managers who are typically our, you know, heavy intermediates, our seniors who are, you know, who've been with us for a while and, and, and are doing really well. Um, and of course, also our exec team and our management team. And then really just having a model where our heavy intermediates and our, and our seniors have, you know, one to two our team members reporting into them and who are plugging into them and are, and are managed by them or by the by those account managers from a you know a work standpoint and workflow standpoint but also from a coaching and mentorship point of view so it provides a lot of benefit on both ends which is that guys who typically wouldn't have exposure to management and to and to coaching and, and mentorship will get that a little bit earlier in their careers which we think is great for our, for our intermediates and our seniors yeah and um and and yeah, so we just overall feel this is an excellent model going forward and, and would, would move us more towards, I mean, we're probably about, I think about 25% offshore, 20, 75% onshore at the moment. So I think it would deploying this model over the next 12 months, I think would get us to about, uh, would get us to about 50-50, I would think. So how do you plan to keep growing your team, their capability and ultimately their performance? Um, so, so I think um, really uh, it's just about, the um, I think Im implementation of of those KPIs and something where um, we really understand what the key performance indicators are for them. So it's not just about the things I touched on earlier around you know the effort rating and stuff like that, um, but really about um, what the other drivers are that may be non-client related. So really establishing what they are. I think from a client standpoint, I think it's really about expanding their responsibilities. So right now, I think we're doing well for where we are in the sense that. Um, you know, like I said, they are they are having client contact um, on a lot in a lot of uh, aspects. Uh, I think they are doing work which is value add around management, management accounting, end of month reporting. So, so I do I do think we are um, doing well. Um, but really, where we see it being is like I said, a, a sky's the limit approach, which is um, can they 
drive client relationships? Can they really drive, for example, could they run a CFO meeting? Um, really, really trying trying to flex our muscles as much as possible over the coming period so that we um, really extract the best out of what we see to be uh, a really functional and talented offshore team. Excellent. So how has offshoring benefited your clients? Um, in a few ways, I'd probably say. So I think turnaround times are, are much better now, particularly in the tax and advisory team, which I mentioned earlier, has, has had um, a, you know, a really consistent under-resourcing over the years. Um, better capacity allows us to set and meet delivery dates much more effectively with clients, which has been an issue in the past. Uh, secondly, it's allowed us to maintain our pricing, I think, in an environment where local wages have easily gone up 30% over the past 12 to 18 months. Um, and finally, improved responsiveness, I probably said, a client requests, especially where we have our total team members liaising with clients directly. Excellent. Some good results. So how has ben, um, offshoring contributed to giving you more time personally? Has it given you any more balance back yet or is it still you're too much in growth? It's too early. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all kind of cyborg workaholic types around here. So I think the jury is still out. But I think, I think we are hoping that after this heavy investment of time, getting the offshore processes and finance function team off the ground, that it will not, not necessarily reduce our time spend, but allow us to, to spend it in a way we focus it in other areas of the business as well. So watch this space. Yeah, excellent. How has offshoring um, had an effect on the profitability to the firm? Has it had a positive effect? Has it had? Mm. Is it too early again to to look at that? Yeah, I think probably again a, a little bit early to say, but I, but you know, given the the difference in like for like acquisition of talent between what you would get locally in Australia and, and in the Philippines through Toa, um, yeah, we are excited to see what the value will be to the, to the bottom line. Yeah, cool. What's the biggest myth or objection you heard about offshoring before having a team? Um, and is it true? <laughs> um, there's lots of these, right, as you know. Um, I'd probably say the biggest is that clients are going to hate it and, and that they will have a massively bad objection to it. Um, that hasn't been our experience. Uh, I think most clients, especially forward-thinking ones, uh, embrace the world we live in and, and they know that this is the future if we want to deliver their work in a timely and proactive way. Uh, I think it's about communication and assurance regarding how the work is, is handled. Um, but, yeah, we haven't had any issues on this front and, and, and even in instances where the, the clients are liaising with, um, with our offshore team directly and speaking with them directly, in our experience, they've been quite happy to do so. Yeah, excellent. So there was so much knowledge and and that that you know I've taken a bunch of notes as well. So thank you for everything you've um, oh, you, given us today. If Thanks, any of our man. listeners wanted to reach out to you, what would be the the best way? We'll put in the show notes all of your details. What's the quickest and easiest way for them to reach out and get in touch with you? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best. Um, uh, is probably the best. Or look us up online, Chartered Advisors. That's www.chartered.net.au. Um, and yeah, it's really easy to get in contact with us through those two avenues. Awesome. Well, thanks again for all those little bits of golden bits of advice. I'm sure that anyone thanks. listening to this will take those away and apply them. So thanks again for your time today. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Outsource Accountant Podcast. To follow our podcast, visit the Outsource Accountant or head to the Outsource Accountant Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. To connect with us on Twitter, look for our handle at Toa Global or find us on LinkedIn at Toa Global. Like our Facebook page at the Outsource Accountant. 
Catch you on the next episode of the Outsource Accountant Podcast. Thanks and have a great day.